0: Welcome to The Fabulous 413, I'm Khalees Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. Later in the show, we'll hear vocal acrobatics from Saffron, an all-female barbershop quartet who arrive in town to compete in the Northeast Regional Sweet Adelines Championship. They'll be joined by Marcos Carreras, director of music at the Springfield Conservatory for the Arts, where they'll be teaching a master class on the genre. And two poets is better than one,
1: so we've heard. So, former Poets Laureate Martina Spada and Rich Michelson will both share their work ahead of events they each have happening this weekend.
0: The first government problems.
1: Hello there. Sorry. Oh, no worries. You owe me nothing, Congressman.
2: Yeah, usual time we had to change, and I just I, anyway. But I'm
1: I'm ready. You're doing the people's business. It's all good. I don't know what that one. <laughs> time for our weekly check-in with U.S. Congressman from the Second Congressional District of Massachusetts, Worcester's own Congressman Jim McGovern. Got a couple of listener questions today, but the big. Political news in Massachusetts this week, having specifically to do with your party and President Biden, is that the U.S. Office of Special Counsel, the OSC, sent a report to the president detailing how Rachel Rollins, his appointed U.S. attorney for the District of Massachusetts, quote, willfully violated the Hatch Act on multiple occasions, thereby exhibiting an extraordinary abuse of her power as U.S. attorney. The OSC determined that the violations warrant disciplinary action. Your take on the reaction to Rachel Rollins, the resignation, the investigation?
2: Well, look, I've uh, admired much of the work that Rachel Rollins has done over the years. And I think she made the right decision in light of this recent report to to step down. And so I I wish her well. She said that she will answer questions after her resignation is formalized. And I think uh, a lot of the issues that are on people's minds uh, she'll have a chance to address.
1: Now, the Hatch Act, correct me if I'm wrong, has to do with political party fundraising in an official capacity, and supposedly she violated the Hatch Act in July of 2022, another violation where she repeatedly attempted to sabotage the campaign of a political candidate by leaking non-public U.S. Department of Justice information. Does this surprise you, given your take on uh, Rachel Rollins' previous, were you supportive of her being appointed as the U.S. Attorney for the District of Massachusetts? And has your opinion changed with these allegations?
2: Well, you know, the senators make the recommendation... uh, um, to the president. Um, and I, I thought this was a good choice. I think on the issue of the Hatch Act, leaking information to sabotage uh, an adversary's campaign, I think is more serious. I mean, the other one was that she apparently showed up to an event, uh, a political event that Jill Biden was speaking at. And my understanding is that she got permission to meet with First Lady uh, Jill Biden, but, uh, but not in that house that she was at. So, there are a lot of issues here. And again, this report goes into a lot of different things. And look, at the end of the day, you know, there there has to be accountability, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. um, You know, if you have broken the rules in a way that is deemed significant, then I think the right thing to do is to resign. That's what she's doing. She'll be asked lots of questions, and I'm sure she'll provide lots of answers and put some of this in context. But again, she's somebody that I have respected over the years. And I'm, I'm disappointed that this is the way her tenure is going to end.
1: Other big political news that's continuing, of course, is the raising of the debt ceiling. The president cutting back a, a trip to try to negotiate some more with Republicans in the raising of the debt ceiling. Is it looking like the president is going to cave into Speaker McCarthy's work requirements in Regards to SNAP, uh, food stamps, which I think may be one of the the biggest sticking points currently in order to lift the debt ceiling is is what you're hearing that the president may give into the Republicans' demands when it
2: comes to work requirements. So I haven't talked, I haven't spoken to the president personally, but I've talked to a lot of his key aides on this matter, and I've been reassured that. Uh, You know, I have nothing to be concerned about. But having said that, I will continue to be concerned until we see, you know, what comes out of these negotiations. But let's just be clear about one thing. There are already strict work requirements in SNAP. The majority of people who are able-bodied adults without dependents who can work actually do work. Those who are not working include people with undiagnosed mental illnesses, A lot of our veteran population falls into that category. Uh, People just graduating out of foster care. These are amongst the most vulnerable people in our community. And the idea that Republicans are saying, we are demanding that we make life more difficult for this vulnerable population in order to balance the budget, but we're not gonna touch Trump's tax cuts for millionaires and billionaires. And we're not gonna touch one penny in Pentagon spending, but we're gonna target these people to me, is cruel and rotten. And I made it clear to the administration that I am, and I've used these words, I am not going to vote for any kind of a deal that screws poor people. If these additional work requirements were put into SNAP or into TANF, poor people, vulnerable people would be adversely impacted in a very significant way. And by the way, this is not where it stops. The Republicans are trying to move a bill that they want to put into the Farm Bill that would expand work requirements now to even able-bodied adults with children, including mothers with kids as young as seven years old.
1: You can agree or disagree with that being good. And the Farm Bill, though, seems like a place where this debate could or should maybe happen not perhaps where lefting the debt ceiling is coming in the president uh, to Time magazine yesterday you know said that he voted for the work requirements that exist but it's and there could be some room uh, for moving here. What are the specific additional ones in regard to the debt ceiling that the uh, Republicans are asking for
2: Yeah he wants to t- he wants to raise the age of uh, they want to raise the age of uh, able-bodied adults without dependents who are required to work and they want to remove state's abilities to, I- to issue any waivers for populations that are particularly vulnerable or where the states believe uh, it is very difficult for them to uh, be able to transition into employment. I sent the president a letter that I sent out with some of my colleagues to members of the House explaining that, that, the, that the work requirements that the president voted for years ago don't work. They don't encourage work. They're not helpful anyway. And again, the majority of people who are able to work, who are not SNAP, actually do work. I think the better question is, why, why, how, how come work doesn't pay? How come work pays so little that people still need to qualify for SNAP? But essentially, we're subsidizing jobs, oftentimes provided by well-endowed and well-financed companies that can afford to pay their workers a better wage, and they don't. Um, and so these people are working full-time, And then they're subsidizing their food budget, you know, with SNAP benefits. You know, we'll see how all this plays out. But we've been pushing very hard against any deal that would incorporate these additional work requirements with the Biden administration. We have been trying to educate our colleagues so that they know what the realities are. But what kind of country are we um, if we're not to make sure that people have enough to eat? It is frustrating that we're at this point.
1: Two Fridays ago in front of your Northampton office... Congressman McGovern was a rally from the Anti-Imperialist Action Committee. They heard us speaking yesterday, uh, last week, about that rally, and uh, I was under the assumption that you would be largely sympathetic to many of the things that they were asking. And then they emailed me and said, can we ask him a question on McGoverning with McGovern? And I said, yes, make it brief. And then it was three paragraphs long. So <laughs> I'm, going to try, I'm going to try to summarize this question from the Anti-Imperialist Action Committee. They say that you're a longtime opponent of the embargo on Cuba and broad-based sanctions on Venezuela, saying it is immoral to, and quoting your 2021 letter to Biden, use the well-being of the Venezuelan people as a bargaining chip. Then there was a Gazette story on its cover page on May 16th, where the office pointed to an international conference on Venezuela held in April and attended by 20 countries, which concluded that the political agreements and lifting of sanctions must go hand in hand, according to that statement. If Maduro does not make an agreement that the U.S. thinks is satisfactory, the U.S. will maintain collective punishment against the Venezuelan people, the Anti-Imperialist Action committees, They're saying that's your take on it, to try to get Maduro to make an agreement uh, that the U.S. deems adequate. So what they want to know is, do you stand by your 2021 June letter to Biden opposing these blanket sanctions and using the Venezuelan people as a bargaining
2: chip? Yes, I, I believe the, the across-the-board sanctions ought to be lifted on Venezuela and on Cuba. Boy, I've spent a lifetime Cuba, in particular, trying to change our policy. So the answer is yes.
1: So now then they say why um, they're, con- they're your constituents and they're asking that you sign on a letter that clearly calls on the Biden administration to immediately lift U.S. economic sanctions as its primary focus that's consistent with your own words that the well-being of the Venezuelan people should not be used as a bargaining chip. What is keeping you from signing on to this letter? I believe there are other uh, members of the House who have signed on to a similar letter. Is there something keeping you from signing on to this letter?
2: Yeah, I, I didn't think it was the right letter to send at this, at this particular time. So the letter went out, 20 members of Congress signed the letter. To me, that's an indication that we need to do some work. And, and so this is a matter of tactics. What I'm trying to figure out here is, you know, what is the most effective thing we could do now? If we can't get all the sanctions lifted all at once, can we get some of them lifted? You mentioned this conference that was in Columbia where there were some ideas that were put forward by friendly countries in the region saying, here's some ways that we might move forward and provide relief. And on the issue of Cuba, by the way, the president doesn't have the authority to lift all the sanctions because unfortunately, Congress years ago put them all into statute. So the president could do some stuff, but Congress has to do other things. And so this is kind of a matter of like, what is the appropriate thing to do at this time? We can continue to send letters with 20 people on it to the White House saying, lift all sanctions. And you know, I've asked the president to do that. I've asked Secretary of State Blinken to do that. And we're not making the progress we need to do. There are things happening with countries um, in the region that I think hold some promise to move the ball forward a little bit. And I guess the question is, do we do nothing and just continue to say that so we want all the sanctions lifted, but also have an alternative strategy here so that we can start peeling off some of these sanctions? I'm not advocating that the only way any sanctions relief could happen is if the U.S. gets Maduro to cry uncle. And I'm not a big fan of Maduro. His human rights record is horrific. But that's not what this is about. We need to kind of respect some of the positive things that are going on trying to get us to a solution. And by the way, with some support from the Maduro government, they're open to some of these options. So this has to be a little bit more nuanced. I apologize that you know, I'm, you know the people are disappointed, but I mean I, I mean I've have, have a record on these things, and you know if we don't agree. Sometimes friends don't always agree on everything. You know so be it. We'll, let's try to find ways to work together. I don't know if that's a satisfactory answer or not. But I'm sure they'll they'll,
1: they'll send another strongly worded letter to you and <laughs> to me. Um, but I did my best to synthesize yeah. their questions there. These it's, are
2: these are friends I admire. And people I respect, and their advocacy, by the way, um, is one of the reasons why we have moved more openly and why my office has moved more openly on trying to resolve some of these issues. So this is not a criticism of them. We just have a different uh, sense of what the appropriate tactic to get the Biden administration to move on some of this stuff is right now.
1: You, Congressman McGovern, gave the commencement address in your hometown of Worcester at Worcester Polytechnic Institute. What was the uh, main theme of your commencement address this past week?
2: Well. Well, my my theme was that uh, you know that artificial intelligence is moving forward at a very rapid pace, um, and there are some great benefits to it. Um, but there are also some things we need to be worried about. And one of the paragraphs of my speech, which uh, one of the best paragraphs of my speech was was written u- utilizing artificial technology. What is it, Ch- Ch- G- Chat
1: GPT? You used the Chat GPT to
2: write it's part good, of your bad, commencement bad. speech. Yeah, I gave it. In. I, I, did you like that paragraph? Everybody applauded. It. I said, well, I didn't write it. I got it from ChatGPT." GBT. So, but I, I talked about the fact that you know, we need to learn uh, about mistakes you know, with the advent of social media and how, again, social media had the promise of spreading information and facts all around the world and helping struggling people uh, you know, push for democracy and authoritarian regimes. But we've seen how it's been twisted and been been manipulated. AI can be the same thing. So We have to have discussions now about what are the reasonable constraints. We have some in the military who want to use AI to basically control our drone weapons program, basically remove a human being from the loop as to where a bomb gets dropped. I refer to that as killer robots. We don't want that. At the same time, there's great promise in in the field of medicine. I mean, this could be used to help diagnose You know, what's wrong with the patient in an instance? We can learn about the solar system through artificial intelligence. So many positive things, but we need to have these discussions now about where we want the limits to be. Because if we don't, it'll be out of control, and it'll be too late to put the genie back in the bottle.
1: You, Congressman McGovern, are a member of the the Congressional Robotics Caucus, and Sam right. Altman, who's the CEO of OpenAI, was on Capitol Hill testifying, saying he wants the Congress and the world to regulate AI. Were you a part of
2: that hearing? I wasn't. I'm not on that committee. But um, he raises some important points. Again, you know, one of the things that he talked about was that how artificial intelligence was being used to, to basically replace jobs for people. I mean, uh, IBM was laying off thousands of jobs. Google's gonna follow. You know, technology is a double-edged sword. I mean, there's humans ought to control technology, not the other way around. We're even seeing now that artificial intelligence could be used to replicate your voice so, uh, uh, uh yeah, I know. I mean, I'll be out of
1: a radio job very shortly.
2: Know. I know, but it could take your voice as you're speaking now and be able to turn it into an entirely different presentation. You think about all the misinformation that has been put out there on social media, all the conspiracy theories, and if you add this to that, that brings us to a whole new level of misinformation. So I'm, I'm co-chair of the robotics practice. I'm, I'm a big believer in moving forward with technology as long as it's doing good stuff. WPI is a school that, among other things, has an incredible robotics program, and you know is a a, a leading um, a leader in so many other new technologies, but as I said to the students, you know, don't switch off your conscience um, as we pursue AI and other technologies. I mean, we, we need to make sure that what we're doing um, is not just profitable, but we, we need to make sure that what we're doing is actually good. I got a good reception. It was either they appreciated the speech or they were just glad it was over. Yeah. But anyway, it was, it was a great honor to, to be able to be the commencement of, a speaker at WPI.
1: Congressman Jim McGovern, the congressman for the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts. You can send questions for the congressman. Be you part of an anti-imperialist collective or just an individual citizen.
2: We love, them. we love them.
1: The Fab 413 at NEPM.org or 1-800-639-9120 for a text. Thanks as always, Congressman. We'll talk to you again next week.
2: All the best. Appreciate you.
1: Later in the show, the all-female barbershop quartet Saffron, as well as Marcos Carreras, director of music at the Springfield Conservatory of the Arts. They'll be in studio to give us the rundown on the Sweet Adelines competition happening this weekend and perform
0: barbershop quartet music. Yeah, and cautionary tales throughout sci-fi, just saying. Just and yeah. up next to Count them Two Poets Laureate, Martina Spada and Rich Michelson have two events happening this weekend and perhaps a couple of couplets for us as well.
1: You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on
3: NEPM.
4: Thank uh-huh.
0: you. Welcome back to the Fabulous 413. Joining us from Shelburne, Massachusetts, UMass Amherst, Professor Martina Spada. Martina is known for his award-winning poetry as well as his social activism, and this Saturday, May 20th, he'll be sharing work from his National Book Award-winning collection, Floaters, as well as some new work at a special intimate performance at the Lava Center with local poet Mishi Serrano. All proceeds will benefit the Lava Center in downtown Greenfield, particularly the many spoken and written word programs the Center provides.
1: Also joining us in the studio is the National Jewish Book Award-winning poet from Northampton, Rich Michelson. Rich has just released his first full-length poetry collection since winning the National Jewish Book Award for the Language of Angels in 2018. The new book is called Sleeping As Fast As I Can. Rich will be reading at the Forbes Library also on Saturday but earlier so you can can go to both both (laughs) (laughs) events from 2 to 4 as part of a Voices of Poetry event and he has a national Zoom reading on Sunday May 21st for about 30 synagogues around the country. Welcome to the fabulous 413 Rich Michelson and welcome back, Martina Espada.
5: Thank you, thank you, and hey, thank Martin.
1: <laughs> I feel like we should flip a coin to see who gets to read a, po- a <laughs> poem first, it? but I Did didn't have a, a coin in me, so I'm going to flip a post-it notepad. <laughs> this this is... will be marked as heads, this will be marked as tails. I really
0: should be filming this. And whoever, yeah. um, who, uh,
1: Rich Michelson, since this is your first appearance on the show, you get to call it in the air, who reads first, okay?
5: All uh, right. Martine. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> supposed uh, to say heads or tails. There you go. Ready? Try again. Okay. Heads.
1: Heads it is. That one time it didn't flip. So now you get to choose. Do you want to read first or defer to Martine? This is just like the American
5: football. <laughs> Martine, you want to read first or second? It's up to you. That's not, that's, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. We're, we're friends. We're buddies. We read together. And
1: you, well, heres I'm okay. going to make the executive decision now, because you both grew up in the same Brooklyn neighborhood, and Martin, you are going to read a poem that has to do with that neighborhood from your National Book Award-winning book, Floaters.
6: Yes, uh, we could certainly begin there. Um, uh, Rich and I were both born and raised in the East New York section of Brooklyn in the Linden Projects, in my case. And um, I grew up in an activist household. My father, uh, Frank Espada, was a documentary photographer. He was also a community organizer and uh, a leader. Some would say the leader of the Puerto Rican community in New York during the 1960s. So um, that's the setting. of this first poem, it's uh, an early morning in 1968. Death rides the elevator in Brooklyn. On a winter morning in 1968, my father left to walk the picket line. He rode the elevator in his black coat hood over his head in the hour before daybreak. On the third floor, The doors opened. A white man waiting for the elevator stood there, peered at my father in his black coat and hood, in his brown skin, then screamed and fled. The doors closed. My father laughed on the picket line that morning. He laughed for years. The guy thought I was death, he would say. Death rides an elevator in Brooklyn, mugger, Death, militant, death, Puerto Rican, death. Listening to the story, as the screaming man screamed louder with every telling, I never thought one day my father would be the man standing there waiting for the elevator doors to open. He did not stare or scream or run. He stepped into the elevator and the doors closed behind him
1: that is the national book award-winning poet umass professor and shelburne resident martina spada who will be reading at the lava center on saturday as a benefit for the lava center and especially the spoken word programs they have there and talking about the neighborhood that our other guest and Martine both grew up in which neighborhood is it in Brooklyn?
5: Uh, East New York, Brooklyn.
1: Uh huh. There's
5: a TV show about it now, but I haven't seen it.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> you know. And but you two, Martine Espada and Rich michelson did not know each other at that time, correct?
5: We did not. We met in Amherst, Massachusetts, of all things. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, in that neighborhood, you had two choices: you learned to fight or you learned to write. Uh, we both took the uh, second option. And we met when I followed Martin as, uh, I think we knew each other before that, but we, when I followed him as Poet Laureate of Northampton.
1: Yes, both former Poets Laureate of Northampton. Um, and I got to know you, Rich, um, from a segment we developed on the Bill Newman Show on WHMP that we jokingly called NPR, That's right. Northampton <laughs> Poetry Radio. and We kind of made fun of NPR, and I still do, even though I'm here. Um, <laughs>
5: right, right, but we didn't want... NPR people know we were calling it that. You just blew it. <laughs> I blew You're trying to put your competition out of business, I can I, tell. No, you know? but no,
0: I also—we <laughs> don't have enough trouble in our lives when we go seeking more. I know. But
1: I also got to know uh, Martine through that as well. And, you know, that segment and Martine's poetry and your poetry um, helped to enliven a part of me that I didn't realize how much it appreciated poetry. A lot of—there's not enough focus, I don't think, in this country, especially in the public education system, on how important poetry is and could be. And I, I thank you for exposing that to me and for turning me onto that later well, in
5: life. Well, thank you. And uh, I should say, uh, assuming that I'm going to read the next poem, you which are. is a nice segue, uh, because uh, my gallery, which is our Michelson Galleries in Northampton, actually uh, has Martine's father's artwork, his Photography is on the wall. It's absolutely amazing, uh, and I was honored to uh, get to it before his father died. He gifted me with one of his photographs of the old neighborhood, of our old street, uh, and um, we actually, the poem I'm going to read is called Neighborhood Villanelle. For those of you who don't know, a villanelle uh, is—you'll uh, you, kind of get the uh, the gist of it. We re- repeat the last lines, alternating. Most people know "Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night" by Dylan Thomas, and probably the most famous villanelle. Uh, but uh, I'm pleased to say that the actor Ray Burke, many of you will know as the principal in Wonder Years, on Airplane, etc., read this poem. Uh, and behind him were um, were photographs that Martine's father took of the neighborhood. So if people want to go to my website, Richard M-I-C-H-E-L-S-O-N dot com, um, you can see a video of that with Martine's father's photography. Excellent. Uh, this is called Neighborhood Villanelle. In this neighborhood, you'd better learn to fight, my father says. Real schooling's from hard knocks. Books won't save your life. He knows I'd rather write and read. I don't talk back. His love is no birthright. Instead, I bluff, act tough. He teaches me to box. In this neighborhood, you'd better learn to fight, he says, or you'll be prey. Better tough Israelite than studious black hat, defenseless orthodox. Books won't save your life. I know you'd rather write. Next day was Hanukkah, the festival of lights. Hey, Jew boy, some kids jeered as if I wore earlocks. I was no Maccabee. Bluff called. I could not fight. I came to, battered, bruised, but had no appetite for bloodshed or revenge. Instead, I walked for blocks, prayed books would save my life. I swore some day I'd write these lines, and now I have. We never kissed goodnight, yet every poem I wrote he saved. The paradox? A bullet stopped his life. Lead plug he could not fight. I escaped the neighborhood with every word I write. <laughs>
1: From both of you, it sounds like a tough neighborhood to have grown up in, but it's amazing how you've, uh, you know, recollected your time there via poetry and reconnected, well, even though you didn't actually connect in that neighborhood, <laughs> here in our neighborhood in the the fabulous 413. Does that speak to your experience of the neighborhood there too, Martine?
6: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, uh, it had a reputation. Uh, it always did. Um, Uh, Strangely enough, even though Rich and I didn't know each other growing up there, um, my father photographed the neighborhood, uh, and he photographed uh, Blake Avenue, which, as I recall, was the street where Rich's father had his hardware store.
5: Actually, his hardware store was on Pitkin, Um, but I Uh. used to deliver paint to Blake (laughs) Avenue. That was my route. I walked through... Um, my father had a hardware store. And, uh, and Blake was on my route, uh, that whole neighborhood. Martin has an amazing poem, too, where he talks about uh, his baseball bat and the only thing he used it for. Uh, in, in our neighborhood, the only thing you used it for was not to hit baseballs. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
6: We're speaking with I, Rich Michelson. I remember and- Pitkin Avenue, too, as a matter of fact. I remember there was a... That's what we used to do, our food shopping right now, around the corner. Yeah.
1: We're getting a little taste of East New York, Brooklyn, here in uh, Western Massachusetts <laughs> with uh, Martina Spada, the National Book Award-winning poet, and Rich Michelson, the National Jewish Book Award-winning poet. They both have events this weekend on Saturday, first at the Forbes Library with Rich and other poets as part of Voices of Poetry, and then with Martine on Saturday night at the Lava Center. In Greenfield, let's let's um have Rich do his second poem now. We'll make it sort of an A B B A structure, poetically speaking.
5: Oh, here. like a sonnet. <laughs> yeah, it's like a sonata. Yeah, there we go. So there we go. Okay, so uh, I'll read a sonnet. How's that? That's good. We, we know what sonnets are. Yes. <laughs> um, this is one of the lighter poems in the book. Uh, it's about uh, the. Uh, it's about COVID. That's Uh. as light as I get. What can I tell you? Um, And the new book is, once again... Sleeping as Fast as I Can. Nice. And uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a very famous Yiddish saying uh, that uh, folks of my generation always grew up with was sleep faster, we need the pillows. Mm. Um, This is a sonnet called Bless You. And it starts with a little epigraph. It says, since sneezing was the first sign of falling ill with the plague, Pope Gregory ordered prayer for divine intercession. And that, in fact, is the beginning of why we say, um, bless you, or uh, um, when people sneeze. It started with the Black Plague. And uh, this is, bless you. Gesundheit, great Anne Frieda calls out. Each sneeze, another occasion for my soul to abandon my body. I hurry my index finger under my nose horizontally, blocking both nostrils as tutored so evil can't seize an inhale to fill the void. Denying the devil his due, Frida dubs it, she, who at sixty to my six, reflexively worries her brow, reaches towards a box of Kleenex, and spits over her shoulder. I mimic patoo, patoo, Two. Tonight, eight years older than she was at her death, and dining curbside to curtail the coronavirus, I hear two tables over a chew, and for the first time in years, measure the distance between superstition and truth. Around me, panic, as mid forkful, everyone freezes. May God keep us upwind from all airborne diseases.
1: That is poet Rich Michelson from Sleeping As Fast As I Can, who's going to be at a poetry event in Northampton at the Forbes on Saturday at 2 and then reading for over three dozen synagogues Oh, well, let's say, 30 synagogues. It was two dozen. It just keeps well, climbing. That was 10 minutes um, ago. Yeah, who knows how many synagogues <laughs> could have signed on by now.
5: Yeah, and you don't have to be Jewish to sign on. Anybody can join us on Zoom.
1: And we're also joined by his neighborhood—they uh, uh, weren't friends then, but they're friends now in our neighborhood— a poet laureate of Northampton as well, Martina Spada, the National Book Award-winning poet, who has an event on Saturday night at the Lava Center— And you are going to be reading from your book, Floaters, but as well you'll be uh, sampling some new poems, and we get to hear a new poem right now.
6: That's right. Um, You might recall my wife, uh, Lauren, uh, is a uh, poet and a teacher. Uh, She, uh, among other things, volunteer teaches creative writing for women at Northern Hope, which is a rehab center in Greenfield. In the past, she taught adult literacy at a similar place in Patterson, New Jersey. Um, She is the tutor in this poem, new poem, and it's called Gonzo. Everybody knew Gonzo, his cigarettes and cologne, his gold crucifix, the white t-shirt he wore to every meeting. They leaned closer to listen. Whenever he spoke in the circle at the rehab center, some with eyes shut, seeing his confessions of addiction's demons and sobriety's angels at war. No one knew Gonzo signed his name with an X. The tutor at the rehab center held up flashcards and sounded out the letters A, B, C, There was no alphabet song in Gonzo's head, no teacher at the blackboard. He said the letters one by one. At the letter S, he stopped. The tutor studied Gonzo's nose, long but not as long as the nose of the Muppet with the same name. S, she said again. Gonzo had no front teeth, no place for his tongue to go. He puffed and sprayed, a man unable to navigate the river of his own name, Gonzales. He hid his face in his hands, unlettered cards in his head, as if the tutor could not see him now. A sob surged through him, a beast chained to the rock of his ribs for fifty years since the days the roosters woke him up for school in Puerto Rico. He wiped his face clean. Gonzo was clean, clean fingernails, clean shaven, clean white shirt. The tutor waited, thinking, he doesn't know his letters, but he knows every street in Patterson by name. She squeezed Gonzo's wrist, so his eyes met hers. She said, you are. Intelligent. She held up the next flashcard. She said, "Say T."
1: Amazing. Brand new poetry from Martina Spada Gonzo. We're honored that you would uh, read that here with us on the fabulous 413. You can hear Martine in an intimate setting at the Lava Center to a uh, Saturday night in Greenfield, a benefit for the Lava Center. And before that, stop by the Forbes Library in Northampton and see Rich Michelson as he's reading as part of the Voices of Poetry event at two o'clock. Thank you so much for sharing your poetry with us here.
5: Thank you. And for those of you who venture occasionally outside of the 413 area, Martina and I will be reading together on Martha's Vineyard this summer, July 20th. Come see us. I'm gonna
1: have to schedule a vacation there uh, then. You can't, here, nope, nope. <laughs> Thank you both no, so Monty. much. Coming up next, we'll have some acapella in the studio with Saffron, an all-New England, all-female barbershop quartet competing in Springfield this weekend. <laughs>
0: You're listening to the fa- Oh, <laughs> yeah, you are listening
7: to the Fabulous 413 on
0: NEPM. I remember where I am.
4: <laughs> I'm
6: just mad about Saffron.
0: <laughs> I couldn't resist Sam. I know. He's he's like that sometimes. Welcome back to the fabulous 413 in the studio. We have Marcos Carreras, the director of music at the Springfield Conservatory of the Arts. Marcos has been nominated five times for the Grammys Music Educator of the Year and he directs the group Revolution through the programs there. They're starting to rack up accolades. And we're also
1: lucky to have and correct me if I mispronounce your names, Christine Bulgini. Yes. Alright, Amanda Fowski. Correct. Henny Schroeder. Oh. Yeah. No, Retired. okay. Retired at Susan Berry? Yes. And who am I missing? Valerie, Valerie. Valerie. Valerie Randall. Valerie Randall? Yes.
8: But, but hi to Penny, Penny for if us. But hi to Penny,
1: Penny who's listening. Oil, but, uh, you are the, <laughs> the women who make up saffron. And earlier today at the Conservatory, the regional championship winning barbershop quartet, saffron gave the advanced vocal students a master class on barbershop music in preparation for the national region one competition being held. This Saturday at Symphony Hall, where the local group Revolution will be featured as part of the awards ceremony, which I am sure Saffron is going to be a part of again. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. you. Well, let's let's start out with uh, some barbershop quartet music, shall we? What are we going to hear? Sure.
8: Oh, that's a good idea. We're going to hear a song that y'all might recognize from the days of the Partridge family Uh called Come
7: On (laughs) Get Get Happy. Happy. They weren't really prepared. They have nothing. We actually
8: haven't done this yet, so hey. Peace out.
4: Hello. 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 Hello, world, is a song that we're singing. Come on. Well, come on, get happy. What, 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 a whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing Come on, like we'll make you happy on, Come on, come on, come on We had a dream we go travel together Spread a little love and then we keep moving on But something always happens whenever we're together We get a happy feeling when we're singing a song Traveling along is a song that we're singing Hey, come on, get happy Come on, Whole lot of lovin' is what i be doing here. Come on, we'll make you happy. Come on, come on, come on, We had a dream, we dream,
0: we 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 we
4: a song me, so come on, come come on, come on, Baba, do, but got to come along with me, baby. Come on, come on, yeah, yeah. Traveling along as a song, my dear. Du- uh, come, 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 come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, yeah. come on, come on, come on, come on, now get happy, yeah.
1: And Saffron, who are going to be competing this weekend in Springfield. And uh, Khaleesi, you were saying that all barbershop quartets usually have a pun in their name, and Saffron. <laughs> doesn't. However, I saw the back of your shirts. Could you turn around? <laughs> the back of the shirts from Saffron all say the Spice Girls, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> so the pun, the pun exists. Now, Marcos Carrera, who is the director of music at the Springfield Conservatory of the Arts, you brought them in to work with your group. Tell us about your group and what happened today with this partnership.
7: Well, it's a gift to have a master class with four masters and their coach joined us as well. And- uh, one of the directors mm-hmm. came to, to work with our students for about 90 minutes, uh, and we could have easily gone for six hours. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it would have been like it was the first minute that they walked through the door. We learned really what it takes to perfect every detail on a note, every phrase, diction, vowels, and um, we talk about that every day in our school, but to hear it from seasoned veterans, you know, like children. Seasoned veterans, seasoned like seasoned veteran. You like that? You like that? You like that? You like that? <laughs> <laughs> Pun, intended. Pun intended. So, I, you know, children only listen to the parents so many times. So when someone else says it, it, it matters. Oh, it yeah. sticks, right? Yes. So today was a day full of sticking points that <laughs> they will never forget. Um, a heartfelt... Uh, 90 minutes of magic that our kids went through and I can't speak highly enough of their artistry and musicianship and um, they connected at a level that I knew they could but our students didn't think was possible and our kids are exceptional as you know but every time we bring in guests whether uh, they're Grammy winners or Broadway stars our kids just are, are sponges of knowledge and uh, it was just a blessing, truly, to to have these incredible musicians join us today. So I'm sure they <laughs> can speak more about it than I could. Uh, we felt blessed. Thank you. Yeah, tell it us great. about step forward there and, and reintroduce yourself and tell us what it was like.
1: Uh, whoever wants to talk about working with these sure. kids, and is this something you do frequently? Uh, mentor younger people in this type of music?
3: Uh, hi, I'm Christine. <laughs> I'm I sing tenor. Uh, which is the high part of the barbershop chord and uh, we don't get that many opportunities to work with young singers but it is such a blessing. Uh, Part of uh, Sweet Adelines is we do have young women in harmony which is where we try to nurture and grow young girls to come up and sing barbershop music and we have had the opportunity to work with them Uh, We have regional events throughout uh, New England when we have our Region 1 regional events, and we invite the Young Women in Harmony to come once or twice a year. Uh, It's free for young women if they're interested in coming to these events. It's free for them, and they have a blast, Mm -hmm. uh, absolute blast, and we truly enjoy mentoring them, and today was a blessing and a gift for us, too, to meet these kids at the conservatory. And Marcos is a a wonderful, passionate leader for for these children. Mm -hmm. And um, we had a ball. We really (laughs) did. Anybody else?
0: How long has your group been going?
3: There's already a retired
1: member we found.
3: I out, know. So Hi, <laughs>
0: Penny.
8: Hi,
4: Penny. We <laughs> formed. You have to go up there. Ooh, yes. 20, 20,
8: yeah. Twenty sixteen? No. Twenty fourteen. 15. Twenty <laughs> fifteen. Okay, yeah, we're yeah, not well, really sure. Apparently.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a few years. Yeah. years. Yep. yep. And where uh, where are
8: you all from?
1: Uh, you're, you're regional, right? So tell us where you come from today.
8: Vermont, Western Mass, uh, Connecticut. Lower Connecticut.
1: Nice. And nice. you.
8: Lower Kne- Connecticut. Both lower Connecticut. You yep. okay, Yeah, two thumbs. Yeah, two thumbs for Lower <laughs> Connecticut. Two thumbs up. There's no visual in here. <laughs> oh, yeah.
4: So we rehearse about, uh, what, every other week Good at try. Val's in Massachusetts. So it's two hours for the Connecticut group to come up to Val's and about two and, two a, half. Two and a half for Christine to come down oh, from, v- uh, from Vermont.
1: Centralized locations. So. Central, yeah. there you yeah, yeah, yeah. And where in Western Mass are you from?
8: Uh, Dalton, Massachusetts. Oh, nice. Yep, the Berkshires. Yeah. The Berkshires.
4: <laughs> Occasionally well, there's hiking going on and yodeling while we're hiking. I'm sure. <laughs> and pool. It must be
1: amazing to be hiking in the Berkshires and hear a barbershop oh, yeah. quartet coming down the trail. But it's right. good
0: training, too, because, like, like doing it, du- singing during other activities, like, helps with, like, breath control and a bunch Absolutely. of other things, like, An Altitude gain.
1: Khaleesi is a singer, um, if he didn't yes. that Contralto. Right. Nice. Ooh, yeah, there you nice. go. Well, coming up, we've got more with Marcos Carreras and the Group Saffron will be competing this weekend. We'll hear about what Sweet Adelides is if people haven't heard about that before. And we'll hopefully get to hear at least one more song before we're through. You're listening to The Fabulous
4: 413 on, on NAPM. NAPM.
1: Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. We're joined in studio by Christine Bulgini, Amanda Fowski, Valerie Randall, and Susan Berry, who are Saffron. Let's hear another barbershop yeah. quartet song like we will hear this weekend at the Sweet Adelais. Doom doom,
4: doom, 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 doom. Yesterday it felt the world was about to end. New song looked as though it wouldn't last out the year. Yesterday disaster waited around the bend. Well, my friend, spring is here, and now we're back let let the good times roll dizzy, 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 were out of <laughs> <hand>. Now they're <laughs> under control. <laughs> bye bye, blue. So <laughs> long adversity, adversity, happiness. Hello, we say hello. Keep, keep the, the status quo, quo, the status quo. quo permanently so. oh, oh. <laughs> bum bum, and bum, 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 bum. Bum 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 bum. Well, all right. Bum bum bum. Well, all right. Bum Dynamite Let the good times roll Dom Back to where you want you on the resume. let the fun resume. No more doom and gloom, no doom and gloom. Bye bye, bust. Hello, doom kicking like a bummer. Same mum bum bum, same old game.
1: competing in the Sweet Adelines this weekend what are the Sweet Adelines for those who don't know or what is the whole competition?
8: Sweet Adelines is a worldwide international oh I'm so sorry Sweet Adelines is a worldwide international um organization dedicated to music education and barbershop the barbershop art craft art form and teaching women and young girls how to sing and use their voices properly and enjoy these crazy chords and the sounds and overtones and ringing that yeah, can happen. Yeah, that was
1: awesome to hear it in the studio, the overtones <laughs> yeah. and the ringing. Like, it yeah. hit the right note to make the whole studio vibrate at yeah. one point.
8: Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, like, specifically women in
0: in barbershop and, and choral music, which is wonderful because, like, they're people forget that like everyone can have access right, yeah, to this yeah, yes, and one yeah. of the beautiful things I think about um barbershop as opposed to acapella which I did throughout college so, and I was going to ask you about music direction but running out of time um is like there's beautiful things that can happen with timbre of voice and texture in quartets that doesn't always happen with like larger groups because sometimes people are looking for the sameness in quality of voice but there's so much richness to how the the tones of your voices work together that it's great who's Directing you,
8: nobody. Great. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> nobody was it's the answer. It's from within, um, yeah. but you know, there's there's interpretation that happens in the music, and as the lead, I'm Amanda. The lead, there is um, a feeling that I have to impart, and then there, my job. I have the hardest part. She does. Here we go. Here we go. go. It is the melody, but if I'm not consistent and rock solid and producing my vowels all the same all the time and turning my diphthongs the same way all the time and taking the emotional pause the same exact way all the time, then basically I'm messing with their heads bad. Yeah, and they can't rap in my sound. So if I start to change my voice texture or I start to close on a vowel differently, then that lock and ring just goes <laughs> it just disappears. So I do have the hardest job, whatever they say. <laughs> the bass in me says no, it's you. Ah, Thank you guys. very much. We <laughs> we, we, we base. Base. And, and
0: Marcos Carrera
1: who's from the the Springfield Conservatory of the Arts, you have said in just the brief time we have left that their mentorship today may help push your group into the championship next year. They came so So close this year.
7: Correct, correct. And I think when we talk about seeing the next step ahead of you as children, they don't see what's in front of them until you show it. And I think today was a perfect example. You heard it here in the studio. And it makes my job all the more easier when I can say, well, look, here's what it should sound like. And seeing that uh, transpire in this way, in such a magical way, was just uh, a sight to behold and an opportunity that one can never forget. That's Marco Scarrera from
1: the Springfield Conservatory of the Arts, and Saffron, thank you all so much Yay, for joining you us today. Us.
0: You can see them perform this weekend. Yes, yes. Symphony, Tomorrow, Hall. At Symphony Tomorrow. Hall. Tomorrow at Symphony Hall. At 319 p.m.
1: Yes. <laughs> Very specific. Yes. Oh,
3: come
0: earlier. Today. Come
3: earlier, all the other groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes.
1: Tomorrow in the Fabulous 413, more live music. Live music Friday with our special guest, East Hampton's Pamela Means.
0: Friday also means the Wine Thunderdome will have our first rosé tasting with Nijames Wines and Lennox. And a preview of Greenfield's
1: B-Fest happening this weekend with my former WGBY television co-host, Sandy Thomas. Our director is Tony,
0: pwned by two-year-olds Dunn. Our engineer is Betsy, might be allergic to corpses Cordis. Our technical team is Bart, that was so ten minutes ago, Rankin Carrot, tell him he's disinvited, Foster, and Punk, Rude Boy, Dubai. we
1: We'll see you tomorrow in the fabulous 413.